Lord Jesus, thank you so much, God. We do give you our highest praise, Lord. You are so worthy of us being here. You're so worthy that uh, we would make the effort, God, to, to come to you, to seek you, to worship you. And maybe it's been a long day. Maybe a lot of things been going on. But, Lord, we want to show you with our presence here, connected online, our attention upon you, that we want to honor you and give you glory tonight and give you our attention. So I pray, God, that you would anoint your word right now, that you would speak it, speak to us, Lord, as we study, God, this passage, and that you would inspire us, God, that you motivate us, that you would transform us, that you would change us even through what we're looking at today. So, God, speak to us by your spirit, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I was reading about this online school that has been launched, and it's actually called the Kehuna Academy. Kehuna in Hebrew means the priesthood. See, a number of years ago, uh, scientists had actually discovered a genetic marker in the DNA of Jewish men that traces them back to the lineage of Aaron the high priest. Uh, these, um, what they are calling these high priests, the Kohanim, are called, according to the Old Testament law, to be Jewish priests and that they must be descendants of Aaron. So finding this genetic marker in the DNA is kind of amazing. I don't know how they exactly could find that, but that's what they're saying, that these guys uh, that are stepping up, they are actually going to school, this online school, and being trained to be in the priesthood, the Aaronic peace priesthood uh, in the lineage of Aaron. So these guys are training. You know why? Because they want to be priests to minister in the Jewish temple, and I should say yet to be rebuilt. A Rabbi Cohen and a Rabbi Rivkin launched this online school because, and, and let me read to you what the article said. It said, they want to prepare the living descendants of Aaron the high priest to be ready to step into their biblically mandated roles as soon as the third temple is operational. Isn't that amazing? I mean, this is just recent. They're, they're doing this. And I think it's amazing because, remember, the Jewish temple is not there right now, right? We studied that a few weeks ago. It was destroyed back in 70 AD. And today, there is a movement by many. There's many talking about bringing back in the temple, worship of the temple. A lot of Jews have been trying to secretly go on the temple mount and pray there. So uh, there's this movement, especially like this uh, organization called the Temple Institute. They're getting things ready, all the implements, the priest clothes, uh, the altar even. They even have plans for the temple ready when it comes time to rebuild the temple. And we know from our studies in the book of Revelation, we learned that it will be rebuilt during the tribulation years under the Antichrist. Well, I bring this to you because in our study tonight in the Gospel of Luke, we return to this passage on the end times. We re return to find what Jesus has been giving to the disciples 
about the the signs that they're going to see that the end is coming, which to them is when Jesus Christ returns. So Jesus is going to refer to a temple, and I believe it's the rebuilt temple that will be in the end times, in the tribulation time, and other events as signs that is coming is very soon. So we continue tonight in what we've been going through in the past two weeks, the signs before the end. And that was our title, and we've been going part one, part two. Well, tonight, guess what? It's part three. You got it. Part three. So that's our title, The Signs Before the End, Part 3. Now we're going to be studying Luke chapter 21 from verse 20 through 28 tonight. And this is the final part of, of The Signs Before the End. There's a little more Jesus is going to talk about here. But if you remember, we started back from verse 5. That's when all this happened. And you remember our outline back then, if you're taking notes, you can look back. Our outline from uh, verse 5 to verse 11 was the collapse of the temple system, when the temple was destroyed, as I mentioned, 70 A.D. Jesus predicted that. Then he talked about the crowd, number two in our outline, of false messiahs, that a lot of false messiahs were coming up claiming to be the messiah returning. Jesus says, don't follow those guys. You'll know when I come, and we'll talk about that in a moment uh, at the end of this message tonight. So he's saying, watch out throughout this uh, time, there's going to be messiahs coming. And then number three was the conflicts between nations, that there's going to be wars and rumors of wars and world wars going on. So we saw that in this first part Part one of the signs before the end. And then from verse 12, we saw last week, number four in our outline, the calamity all over the world. And I focused in on things that are going to happen on this planet with the earth and, and all that. Then we saw the crushing persecution of believers. Jesus then talked about the incredible persecution that's going to fall upon believers as anyone whose faith is in Christ. They're going to be killed. They're going to be betrayed by close relationships. We looked at all of that as Jesus predicted these things. And if you remember, I mentioned in parallel Gospels, these things were going to increase in, in, in intensity and in frequency. Now tonight, we move on to verse 20 through 28, and we're going to finish the outline we've been going over, the collapse of the temple system, the crowd of false messiahs, the conflicts between nations, the calamity all over the world, the crushing persecution of believers. And then now we go to 6, 7, and 8. Number 6 is the contamination of the Antichrist. Number 7 is the catastrophes in the universe. And number 8, the coming of Jesus Christ, which is going to cap the end of all that we're looking at in this series we've seen in the last two weeks. So let's get to number six in the outline, continuing on here in part three, the contamination of the Antichrist. The contamination of the Antichrist. Now, in this section, we're going to be going over verse 20 through 24. 20 through 24. And matter of fact, here in Luke 21, let's go ahead and read all those verses and then we'll go back over them. Luke 21, verse 20. 
Verse 20, but when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that its desolation has come near. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains, and let those who are inside the city depart, and let not those who are out in the country enter it. For these are the days of vengeance to fulfill all that is written. Alas, for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days, for there will be great distress upon the earth and wrath against this people." Verse 24, they will fall by the edge of the sword and be led captive among all nations and Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. So we'll stop right there. Now, here Jesus continues on giving uh, to the disciples what is called the Olivet Discourse. Remember, they're on the Mount of Olives, the, the hill across from the Jerusalem Mount, the Temple Mount, and they're looking at the Temple, and they start this whole conversation about, that, uh, about the end times there. So that's why it's called the Olivet Discourse. And it's told also in Matthew chapter 24, Mark 13 in parallel passages. So here's Jesus continuing on here. And and again, remember, we're in this section now uh, where Jesus in the parallel passage in Matthew 24, uh, 8, where he talked about the birth pains, right? The labor pains. It's going to come like that. So uh, all these things are going to come and they're indicators that the end is coming. They're going to increase in frequency and intensity as that day approaches. So the end of the world as we know it is going to come when Jesus returns. And when it comes to that point, all these things are just going to get greater and greater and more and more. So remember we ended last week with the crushing persecution, right? There's going to be a lot of persecution going on. Well, now Jesus flows into the peak of that persecution, and he talks about here in verse 20, but when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that desolation has come near. So it's right there, right at the door. So when you see that, then you know this desolation. When you see the armies come, surround, then you know, know that this desolation is right there, right at the door. So what is that? What's going on here? Well, some commentators, they feel that Jesus is basically predicting the fall of the temple, the fall of Jerusalem, what we talked about earlier, a couple weeks ago, 70 AD, when all of that happened. So many feel like it's that. And for me, I have to say, not everyone uh, believes that or, or interprets it that way. And for me, I kind of tend to go that way because Jesus already listed that earlier up in uh, 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 verse, uh, where was that? Verse, uh, when they talked about the temple. Does anyone see that? Uh, eight? Yeah, verse is it eight? Well, anyway, I are up. Yeah. And so, uh, verse six, verse six. So, I think he already listed it. So, I think he's going on here to talk about this desolation that is coming. Because I think better, I think it, it kind of flows with this persecution. You know, things are going to get worse and worse. And it's going to peak out 
in this desolation that's coming. And, and so what I think is that more likely that the, Jesus is talking about the same thing that is talked about in parallel passages. And so in Matthew 24, and all of it discourse there, and in Mark 13, Jesus goes on to talk about the abomination of desolation. And you remember that's when the Antichrist stands in the Jewish temple, declares himself as God, and requires all the world to worship him. So in the other two parallel passages, that's what it's talking about. So here, I believe when we talk about desolation, that's what he's talking about here, the abomination of desolation. The desolation or is the desecration of the temple, the contamination of the Antichrist. Now, this phrase, the abomination of desolation, it comes from the book of Daniel chapter 9, verse 27, where it says, the, On the wing of abomination shall come one who is desolate. So in the other Gospels, in the parallel Gospels, Jesus says the abomination of desolation, that's what he calls it. And so that speaks of the Antichrist uh, desecrating the temple and, and actually going in there and, and standing there like he's God, like he's God of the world. Right? I mean, here's the holy temple or rebuilt temple where the Jews are going to go and, you know, worship the holy God. And he stands in there. So that's that, that desecration. That's that desolation or the contamination I was calling it. Uh, take a look at this. Turn over to Mark. Turn to the left and turn over to Mark chapter 13. Mark chapter 13, verse 14. Mark 13, 14. And this is the parallel passage here where uh, I've been talking about on the Olivet Discourse. And it sort of follows the same thing in Luke we've been studying. But in verse 14 it says, But when you see, 13, 14, When you see the abomination of desolation standing where he ought not to be, let the reader understand, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. So you understand I believe it's talking about, in Luke 21, here in verse 20, the abomination of desolation, same as Mark 13 and in Matthew 24. So, getting back to verse 20 and 21 and 22 here, uh, here's Jesus saying, okay, when you see Jerusalem surrounded by the armies, I'm thinking this is the armies of the Antichrist, because the Antichrist is going to make this move, then he's going to mandate, force the world to worship. And if you don't, basically, you know, you're going to pay consequences. Yeah. And, and um, you're going to be killed. So, so when you see Jerusalem surrounded like that, that's a desolation. It's getting set up. And so he instructs and says, let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Judea is like that area where Jerusalem sits. In other words, run away. Run away. When, when, when that happens, let those who are inside the city get out of the city right away. Get out of Jerusalem. And let those who are out of the country, uh, out in the country, uh, n- uh, not enter. Like who are out in the country, let not those who are out in the country like enter. Don't go into the city. Stay out. If you're out, stay out and just go. Just leave because this is when it's going to get really, really bad. We know that the Antichrist will 
uh, mandate, right? We read in Revelation, study to no one can buy or sell, yeah, unless they have the mark. And I believe the mark is attached to what's going on here. Is the mark is really an allegiance to the Antichrist. If you take the mark, you're saying, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm honoring the Antichrist. I worship the Antichrist. So I believe all of this is going to come together. And remember what we study, how that the world at this time, when this happens, they're going to be all for the Antichrist already. So even though we may look at it today like, oh, look, government control, everything. Yeah, it will be. But you know what? The world's going to embrace it. They're going to welcome it. But who's not going to welcome it? The tribulation saints and the Jewish people and Jewish believers at the time in the tribulation. They're not going to go for that. They're not going to give in to that, right? So it's sort of a way, I think, the mark is to force the issue. And that's where persecution will reach its peak and where the Antichrist will actually go out and kill those who do not take the mark, which basically are going to be believers in the basic sense. So that's why Jesus is saying, hey, get out of there. Flee, run, because this is the worst persecution ever that's going to happen. And then notice what he says in, in verse 22. For these are days of vengeance to fulfill all that is written. In other words, what he's saying is that what was prophesied before is going to be fulfilled. What was, what was prophesied, this is this days of vengeance. And what is that? Well, in the Old Testament, it talks about the day of the Lord, Jacob's trouble. This is talking about the tribulation. So that's why even more so in, in this section in Luke 21, I believe that when we're talking about the desolation, it's not the Jerusalem and the city being destroyed in AD 70. But when he says these are days of vengeance, this is the tribulation time when God's wrath and, and judgment is being poured out upon the world as we study in uh, the book of Revelation. So this will happen during the time of the seven years of the tribulation. And then in verse 23, Jesus says, Alas, for women who are pregnant and those who are nursing infants in those days, it's, it's going to be hard. You know, it's going to be terrible. You got to run. You got to flee. These are going to be dark days. It's going to be hard for them. The persecution will bring here great distress upon the earth. Um, it's going to uh, end wrath against its people. In other words, in those days, there's going to be great distress upon those believers, but there's going to be distress. There's going to be uh, all kinds of judgment, and we'll talk about that too, falling upon the earth, and there's going to be wrath against the people of the earth. The wrath of God will fall the judgment of, of God. So it's in these days of vengeance. It's in this time of the tribulation. And then, it says in verse 24, they're going to fall by the edge of the sword. Sword, The, the believers, uh, they'll be taken captive um, uh, among all nations, all over the world. If you don't bow and worship the Antichrist, you're going to be arrested. You're going to be killed all over the world. And Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot by Gentiles. In other words, Jerusalem is going to be taken control by the Antichrist. It, it, it'll, it'll totally be... Uh, under the control 
of the Antichrist. And it says, until the times of the Gentile are, Gentiles are fulfilled. Well, when, when that period of time that the Gentiles are in control, that will come to an end when Jesus returns. All right, so one sign that Jesus is saying here that the end is very near is the contamination of the Antichrist is when he sets himself as God and mandates all to worship him. And I believe it's going to be in particular to force it upon the Jews, the believers, the Jewish believers and tribulation saints. So the contamination of the Antichrist is when he sets himself as God and mandates all Jews to worship him. That's the desecration. That's like contaminating the temple and the things of God. You know, just, just last month in um, Geneva, Switzerland, there was this first Catholic Mass in almost 500 years since the Reformation was celebrated in this old cathedral over there. The building had uh, actually been converted by John Calvin into a Protestant church in 1535 during the Reformation. Well, they had this big ceremony of unity, ecumenism, and the Protestant representative uh, asked for a pardon for, I quote, historic actions against Christian unity. Now, I mention that because, you know, there is a movement to drop theological differences and the truth of the word, I would say, to bring unity to all world religions. There's a movement going on right now. They're, they're trying to get this ball rolling. And I believe it's going to happen. We've talked about the revelation. There's going to be a one world religion that the Antichrist is going to push. And then he's going to take it another step to bring that one world religion to himself that everyone will worship him and give allegiance to him and honor the power of, you know what, Satan. That's, that's what I see in Revelation. That's what we've been studying. So today, what, what I just read to you, that's just a step, yeah? I mean, truly, I mean, yeah, it's good that, you know, we're not totally against, you know, Catholic people, but to come together in theological differences, say, oh, we'll put that aside. I mean, truly many wrong things have been done in the name of Christianity, but we should not compromise the word of God. And that's why we studied it, study this on Sundays and on Wednesdays. All of this is only leading to this one world religion, to, to turn the world into to worshiping this one kind of thought. And then, and then that one thought, Antichrist can take that ball and he's he going to take it for himself and run with it. And so what we're reading here is, is actually the peak of what we're seeing coming to right now, that we're seeing coming about right now. So understand that. There is this darkness, you guys, moving across the land, our country, the world, nations. There is. And the darkness I'm talking about is this move away from the truth of God. And, and bringing in these thoughts and these things, oh yeah, unity, it's all touchy-feely, warm stuff. But it's putting down the real truth about Jesus Christ, God, sin, salvation, 
where we really get forgiveness, God's love and grace. So be careful of your minds, you guys, of what's going into it. You know, I was thinking about how there, as there's this darkness, you know, and the truth is getting uh, choked out, be wary, be, be on guard yourselves for, you know what, we, the devil, wants to contaminate our hearts with things. Whether it's sinful things, temptation, worldly things, distractions in the world. But even the truth about God. The devil wants to contaminate your heart and desecrate the temple of your soul. Be careful. Because what, he, what the Antichrist is ultimately going to do in the abomination desolation, the devil wants to start right now in our soul. So be careful. So, let's go on to number seven, the catastrophes in the universe. So we see the contamination of the Antichrist, number six. Number seven in our outline is the catastrophes of the universe. And here we're going to be covering uh, verses 25 and 26. Verses 25 and 26. Let's read them right now. And there will be signs, verse 26, in sun and moon and stars and on the earth, distress of nations and perplexity because of the roaring of the sea and the waves. People fainting with fear and with foreboding of what is coming on the world, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Now, Jesus goes on to give another sign before he returns, another sign before the end when he ends all of, all, all of this. And so he mentions there are going to be these signs in the sun, our sun, in the moon, the stars. The, the whole universe is going to show these signs. And what I believe he's talking about, what we studied, as they're going to fall apart. It's like the whole universe is going to feel like it's falling apart. And we've seen those things in the book of Revelation. Remember like the sun? In Revelation 6, the sun turns black. The moon turns like blood. Uh, Stars are falling or like meteors are are hitting the earth. Revelation 16, it seems like it it talks about the sun's supernovas and, and burns really hot and scorches the world. It says here the, that the earth, on the earth, distress of nations. And again, we find so much in, in the book of Revelation with the judgments falling in the tribulation time. And, and we see this distress probably in nations, countries, like, whoa, what's going on? And like in Revelation 6 with the seals, there's war breaking all over, famine, right, all over the world, pestilence. In Revelation chapter 9, we saw the trumpet judgments, and remember the demon armies going out and and torturing people? I mean, the the world, the nations, the people, they they don't know. They're in distress over this. And then it says here in verse uh, 25, it's saying that, hey, uh, because of the roaring of the sea and the waves. I think the, that's the shaking of, of the world going on. And then verse uh, 26, people fainting with fear and foreboding. Uh, just they're in terror of what's going to come, of what is coming on the world for 
the powers of the heavens will be shaken. The whole world will seem like it's shaking and falling all apart. Remember in Revelation 6 again with the seals, the volcanic events. I remember in Revelation 9 with the trumpet judgments, all vegetation is burned up like trees and grass. It's just all burned out. The waters are affected, turning to blood, if you remember that in Revelation 16 with the bowl. So that's what Jesus is describing here, what we've studied in Revelation with the seals, the trumpets, and the bowl judgments going on. So here's what Jesus is saying. You know what? This is a sign that the end is coming, that he's going to return. Things in the universe are going to get really, really bad before Jesus returns. Listen to what was prophesied in Joel chapter 2, 10. It says, The earthquakes before them, the heavens tremble, the sun and the moon are darkened, and the stars withdraw their shining. Or Isaiah 24, 20 says, The earth staggers like a drunken man. It sways like a hut. Its transgression lies heavy upon it, and it falls and will not rise again. Or Zephaniah chapter 1, verse 14 and 15 says, The great day of the Lord is near. That's that judgment time. Near and hastening fast. The sound of the day of the Lord is bitter. The mighty man cries aloud there. Verse 15. A day of wrath is that day. A day of distress and anguish. A day of ruin and devastation. A day of darkness and gloom. A day of clouds and thick darkness. So you see, even with the Old Testament uh, prophecies, we see it comes together even with with what we're seeing, the sign that Jesus is giving. So all this Jesus is describing is these are the catastrophes in the universe that occurred during the seven years of the tribulation. So these are the catastrophes that are going to happen all over, and it's going to shake the world, and it's during the tribulation. You know, I was thinking about this the other day. Um, last week, someone texted me, and, and told me about, hey, did you see it was reported that these solar flares had erupted from the sun? I don't know if you read that. I don't think it was big news. I was reading that there was 17 of these solar flares just on last week, Monday, 17 that NASA captured. And uh, two of them were like fired toward the earth. They say that in these small flare-ups, the, the earth is protected by an atmosphere and there, so there's no harmful radiation that can hit us. But some maybe a little bit stronger ones can disrupt our GPS satellites and radio communications and all that. So, so sometimes there's some concern when there's a large flare-up that it can affect our life here on the earth. But what if something happens to our atmosphere what if that protection isn't there what if there's a flare-up that's super large and it just happens we don't we can't really predict it and like last Monday it just kind of happened imagine if it was really huge last Monday how in an instant without warning something can happen in the way we're living our life today think about that well think about in the tribulation what's going to happen all these catastrophes, all these things that are going to befall uh, the earth and the universe, feeling like it's all falling apart in, during the tribulation. What if the atmosphere 
disappeared. It could affect the earth. I was thinking about in Isaiah 34, 4, it says, The heavens above will melt away and disappear like a rolled up scroll. The stars will fall from the sky like withered leaves from a, a grapevine or shriveled figs from a, uh, from a fig tree. Like a fig tree being shaken. That's like meteors pummeling the earth. You know, all that. Yeah. That's what's going to happen during the tribulation. And that's what Jesus is talking about right here. And that's a sign that his return is very soon. Because when he returns, it's going to be end, the end of the world as we know it. Now, as we're talking about this, I just want to mention I know that maybe for some of you it's like, wow. Um, that's really encouraging right now. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it could be fearful to think about these things. I mean, just、uh, you feel an earthquake. It's like, whoa, what's going on? You know, like,、um, you know, Mauna Kea or、um, the volcano of Kilauea, yeah?、Uh, a volcano erupts or there are undersea earthquakes that come and we feel it here in Maui. It could be like, whoa, what's going on? Yeah. And, you know, especially like, Our、um, bedroom is in、uh, the second store, and you feel the thing shake. You're like, whoa, whoa, it's going to hold up. you know? Is the Halotaiwa all going to stay there? You know, kind of thing. And it can be fearful. And you might be thinking, oh, wow, this is really encouraging here tonight. This is one of those doom and gloom, those old, old country peach, preachers with the hell, hell, and, you know, hell and fire kind of messages. But, but remember, Jesus is giving this. To the disciples, yeah, to help them what, understand what's going to be going on before he comes. Jesus is giving it even to us, and we're in it here tonight. You know what? It's not to like this prophecy isn't to like totally scare us, yeah, but I'll tell you what it is. And you, and you may go, what? I think it's to comfort us. That's what I think. I think it's to comfort us. And let me explain. First of all, you know what? Reading and studying this, like the book of Revelation, even Daniel, it helps us to, to understand what will happen in the future. So we have some sense of what really is going to happen before Jesus returns. And so, first, it, it really helps us that, that okay. I see what's being laid out here. So, we know calamities, catastrophes are going to happen in the world earthquakes, vol- volcanoes, t- tsunamis, right? There's droughts, famines going on. There's recent tornadoes. We know hurricanes come and bring devastation. They're, they're going to occur. But does that mean that the end is now? No, we know certain things got to happen before. That's the end. So it kind of helps us understand what's going on. And we understand that there's going to be a, a frequency, intensity of all these things. And, and, but when it's happening right now, it doesn't mean like, oh, this is it. This is, this is Revelation, you know, 25, 20, I mean,、uh, Luke 25, 26 here, Luke 21.、Uh, well, not necessarily, because what we are seeing there is that there's, this is going to happen during. The tribulation. I mean, it's going to happen. But when it starts to increase, when it starts to intensify, when, when, the, when it really reaches a apocalyptic levels, then that's the end. And that's going to be during the tribulation time. 
So in a way, things will happen, but don't think, oh no, this is it. You know, it's, it's horrible. If we understand that way, Jesus said these things will happen, but when they really, really get bad, you know what? That's going to be the end. So it's not the end yet. And secondly, Jesus gives us this prophecy so we understand that, you know what? This is going to happen, what he's talking about, in the tribulation, right? I mentioned the seal judgments, the trumpet judgments, the bowl judgments. It's really the judgment of God falling upon the world of sin. And you know what? As believers, you and I will not be here. We won't be here. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 9 says, For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. So we're not under that wrath, under that judgment that will fall upon the world during the tribulation. And we, if you understand that verse, and as we've been studying that this is going to happen in the tribulation, then you know what, as believers, what? We're not going to be here, right? Because in our timing, in our eschatology, our study of the end times, we know the rapture happens. And around the same time, there's an attack on Israel, right? With a Russian coalition of Arab nations. And that's why it's so interesting to see what's going on with Ukraine right now. But that's going to happen. It's prophesied, Ezekiel 38, 39. And then the tribulation begins. So believers aren't there. There will be tribulation saints who get saved there, Jewish believers. God's going to protect them. But it's during that tribulation time, the rise of the Antichrist, one world leader with one world religion, one world government. He's going to rebuild the temple. Three and a half years in is the abomination of desolation. We're not going to be here. When all that happens, when he goes killing believers, we'll be in heaven because the rapture has already happened. Then at the end of the seven years, what? Jesus returns, right? We're going to see that in the next section. And then the millennium, the thousand-year reign of Christ on the earth, the great white throne, and now we're in Revelation. We're talking about the final heaven, uh, where we'll be the rest of eternity. But that, that's the timeline here. And so understanding that, even though we're reading all of this, it's Jesus is giving us comfort in the sense that, okay, we see the order of things. We see what's going on. Jesus is not scaring you, but informing you so that we don't make mistakes on what the end really is. And you know what? Listen, no matter what maybe natural uh, disasters that may happen, uh, catastrophes that may may come to pass in our lifetime, or maybe you've experienced, God will never leave you nor forsake you. God will be there for you, and according to His will, He will get you through. I love what the Scottish preacher Andrew Bonar wrote. Uh, uh, listen to this. I love this. If the Father has the kingdom ready for us, he will take care of us on the way. I like that. I love that. Yeah? So we trust the Lord in that. So don't be afraid in what we're reading and talking about all this, you know, catastrophe kind of things. But you know what? God is just helping us understand what is coming and what the world will experience.
All right. So the signs before the end, number six, is the contamination of the Antichrist, the abomination, desolation, the catastrophes in the universe, where it seems like the whole universe is falling apart. And then now we come to our last part, verse 27, 28, the coming of Jesus Christ. So here we come, the end of the tribulation, after the seven, at the end of the seven years. Verse 27 now. Jesus says, and they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. So we'll stop right there. So, and then, after all this, and then at the end here, and this is the, this is the point of the end, what the disciples are talking about. We've seen all the signs that are leading up to the end. Well, the, and then it, Jesus will return after all these signs are fulfilled or come to pass. So the whole world, verse 27, will see the Son of Man. They, it's the whole world, everyone there. They're going to see the Son of Man. Now the Son of Man comes from the book of Daniel, and it, it's, it's reference to the Messiah. So whenever you read the Son of Man, especially here in, in Luke, he uses a lot it really is talking about the Messiah. They're going to see the Son of Man, the Messiah, Jesus Christ. They're going to see Jesus Christ, now verse 27, coming in a cloud. What is this cloud? Well, it could be speaking about sometimes cloud in the New Testament. It speaks about a lot of people. And we know that we learn in Revelation again that we will be, believers will be coming, riding on horses, you know, all this coming with Jesus, Jesus, of course, up front. But I believe the cloud is talking about the Shekinah cloud of God. You remember like in the wilderness, the Israelites, right? There was that cloud, right, that led the Israelites, a cloud by day, fire by night, the cloud, the Shekinah cloud that descended upon the tabernacle where the Israelites worshiped the Lord, that portable temple. So I believe this is the really speaking about the Shekinah cloud, the presence of God. So here's the Messiah, Jesus Christ, coming in his awesome presence. And then it says in verse 27, with power, with with the power of God, right? God is, is all powerful. He has power over the universe, power over uh, the elements of the earth, power over Satan and the demons that have been terrorizing the earth up until this point. Uh, the power over the Antichrist, the false prophet, power over the armies of the nations. Because at this point, we learn this is Armageddon, right? That the, all the nations are gathered to fight Jesus. And this is Armageddon. When Jesus comes, coming in his presence with Shekinah cloud with all power to defeat all the enemies of God. And he says in verse 27, and great glory. That's the glory of God. And, but think about it this way. Jesus comes to conquer. Jesus comes as his presence in all power. But Jesus comes with this glory, this unveiling of who he is. That's the thought here. The unveiled glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. All the world, and I think this is exciting, the whole world is going to see Jesus 
for who he is at this moment. Everyone in the world is going to see Jesus as the Lord God, the great I am. Jesus will come different from, from the first time he came. Jesus is going to come here being known for who he is, unveiled in all of his glory. You know, the first time Jesus came, what, as humbly as a baby. Yeah? We, we read in the Christmas story, right? He, he came um, uh, humbly, baby born yeah, to poor parents and laid down in a feeding trough in Bethlehem, right? In a small little no-name town. And, and, and he came this first time unnoticed, really like unseen, you know, only by some shepherds and, and his parents, uh, Joseph and Mary, and unknown. But here, in his second coming, Jesus will arrive in all his unveiled glory and all his power in his Shekinah presence with the armies, with us, his army riding behind him. He'll come very noticed. He'll come very seen. And it will be known that this is the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Think about that. I think that's going to be this amazing moment. You know what I think about? I think about how Peter wrote about seeing Jesus transfigured. Remember on the mountain transfiguration? Yeah, they saw Jesus like it was like he he took off his human part, you know, and unveiled his God part, and he was shining. And they saw Moses and Elijah and. Peter's like, whoa, whoa. I mean, imagine seeing Jesus like that, you know. I think it'll, it'll be even more so. But Peter, he wrote in 2 Peter 1.16, the second part of verse, we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Think about that. I love that thought. Oh, you know, when we worship the Lord, I, I, I bow down to our Lord Jesus Christ, my King, yeah, my Master, my Lord. And I think of him on his throne and in all of his majesty, his majestic glory. That's what the world is going to see. It's going to be amazing. The world's going to know. He doesn't have to wear a name tag. Yeah, he doesn't have to be announced. He's going to appear, and everyone's going to know, because God's very presence will come. Now look at our last verse tonight, verse 28. Now, when these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. You see what Jesus is saying? Don't, don't be afraid here, right? This is really, really good stuff when you see these signs. When you see these things, all that he talked about, all the frequency, the intensity of these signs getting more and more peaking out with the uh, persecution, with the abomination of desolation, when, when it seems like the earth and the whole universe is being shaken and turned upside down. He's like, hey, you guys, understand this. Now imagine the Jewish believers... We know God will protect them during the tribulation. They're going to be hiding out maybe some guests, I guess, uh, in uh, um, uh, Petra, yeah, and and, in those rocks. And God will supernaturally protect them from the Antichrist getting to them and killing them. And imagine them reading this, studying this. Wow, this is happening now. Yeah, this is happening now. Whoa, look, look what's going to happen. 
Jesus Christ is going to return in all of his glory. And then look at verse 20. Imagine them reading this now. Jesus telling them when you, these things began to take place. When you're seeing these signs, it seems like the whole world is shaking. They're being protected. Jesus says, straighten up. You know what? Don't be so overburdened with fear or perplexity, confusion yeah, of what is going on. Don't, don't be so stressed out and worried and anxious about it. But straighten up, you guys. Straighten up. And raise your head. What is he saying? Look up. Look up, you guys. Look up in hope. Because all these signs mean something. It means, A, Jesus is about to return. The end is about to come. Look up because your redemption draws near. Redemption means deliverance. Oh, I, I, I get excited here because... Don't you want to be delivered from all your troubles, you know? And I believe we're seeing these, these birth pains, these labor pains happening right now. and thinking, oh, I'm looking up, God. I want you to come take me home, you know, now. You know? I'm, I'm ready, Lord. I'm looking up. I'm, I, I see the deliverance is coming. And it's drawing near. The end is just around the corner. That's how I interpret that. Yeah? Saying, look up. Here it comes. It's right around the corner. So Jesus is like, hey, the idea really is don't let these signs bring you down for it all means that Jesus is about to come. I like something. I want to read to you this. A German minister, Paul Gethardt, wrote this during they called the 30 years of war. And this was in the 1600s now. And just, just listen here. He wrote this. It's a little poem. Give to the winds thy fears, hope and be undismayed. God hears thy sighs and counts thy tears, God shall lift up thy head. Through waves and clouds and storms, he gently clears the way. Wait thou his time, so shall the night soon end in joyous day. I like that. Or maybe we're in the night, in the darkness of the of Satan's attacks is getting heavy. But you know what? The night will soon turn into a joyous day. So our last point here is this. So believers are given hope. The, gum, the coming of Jesus Christ will bring the end to all that will fall upon this world. The coming of Jesus Christ will bring the end to all that will fall upon this world. You ever have a time when, I was thinking about it this way, you ever have a time when you're so hungry, you can't wait for that pizza to be delivered? I mean, you're, you're what we say, we're starving to death. You ever feel like, that? oh, I'm so hungry, I'm starving to death. And there's nothing in the house, so the most convenient thing to do is you order some pizza delivery, right? Well, if you're so hungry and you can't wait, and you know the pizza's coming, right? Your ears yeah, turn to every car that drives by. You, you listen, you know, for every, if, it, if the car's going to stop, yeah? And you're just listening, listening. Then all of a sudden, you, you hear this car come in. You hear the crackling of the gravel underneath the tires. Hey, they're pulling in. You hear the, the motor come in, get louder, and then, then turn off. And you, and you hear footsteps. And finally, hear that knock on the door. That It says, hold, the pizza is here. I can finally eat. Well, you know, in a similar way, these 
are signs like that. Signs of what's coming. Signs of what we're hoping for. The signs, these signs are what Jesus gave us to look for. Look for these things that indicate that soon our hunger for him will be satisfied. It will be a reality to be with Jesus Christ. You know, I, I want to close with this thought, too, that, yes, we have a hope that these troubles will end, that the night will be done, will be in the day of waking up and being in heaven. Yes, the signs show us that, wow, the rapture is going to happen soon, even, uh, some of the things we've been talking about. Uh, but you know what the greatest hope is to me? We'll finally be with Jesus. I will be finally be finally be with him. I mean, isn't that your hope? That oh, I want to be with my Lord. Vance Havner once said this: the early believers were not looking for something to happen. They were looking for someone to come. He went on to say, looking for the train to arrive is one thing, but looking for someone we love to come on that train is another matter. And I love that thought. And this is what we're talking about. Yeah, the, the train, you know, is, is all the signs, but, but right at the end is where Jesus is. And that's what we really look for. That's our hope there. I'll close with this. Joseph Stalwell, the, a former president of the Moody Bible Institute, once noticed tiny handprints all over the glass of a window at a children's home. Well, the director of the home explained what all that was. He said, oh, those are there because these children love Jesus. And they are so eager for him to return that they lean against the window as they look up to the sky. I like that thought because as a child of God, I feel like a little kid. Like, yeah, Lord, I'm putting my fingerprints on the window looking up for the time of Jesus coming. And so be encouraged tonight. Jesus is saying, look up, look up, look up, my beloved. I'm almost here. I'm coming soon. Have hope and have peace. For these are all the signs before the end. Let's pray. Lord, I can't wait for the day when we will be with you. Wouldn't it be awesome, Lord, if I, when I say amen, that whew, where the rapture happens. God, when we sing that song, come, Lord Jesus, come, and, and we shall be changed, I always think, well, what if when we're singing that song, you do come, Lord? What if as we're worshiping you in our last song, that as we sing, all of a sudden we are just translated trans into your uh, heaven God to meet you in the air Lord God we long for that day Lord I pray for anyone here right now that maybe is lost in the world maybe they're struggling with things that are going on in their life Lord, I pray for those who don't know you and those who know you and are just been so distracted with things, yet 
Lord, they know what's right. They know that you're coming soon. Lord, may it inspire all of us and inspire everyone to come to you. Lord, I pray for those who aren't saved that they would give their life to you right now as I speak. They would just pray a prayer of faith, believing in what you've done and dying on the cross. Just saying, Lord, I I believe you. I believe you are the Lord Jesus. I believe you died on the cross. I believe you died for my sins. I believe that you can forgive me. And I believe, God, you rose again so I can have new life and your Holy Spirit living in me. And I believe I can be a new creation in you. And so I surrender to you because I believe in you and I need you and I want you. Lord, save those who just prayed that prayer from their heart. Lord, be with us who here who need to rededicate our lives, need to, need to see you for who you are, God. I pray for those who right now, even as I pray, aren't thinking of you, aren't praying with me, are just wandering in their minds. Lord, convict all of our hearts to live for you from here on, God. For you're coming so soon. And there's a world out there that needs Jesus and needs to see Jesus in us. Fill us tonight, God, with your spirit. Oh, Lord, we long for you. And so, Jesus, come quickly. Maranatha, Lord, come quickly. Bring us home. And in the meantime, make a home in our hearts, Lord, with you. Make yourself at home in our hearts. We love you, God. In Jesus' name, amen.